Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and we are continuing to explore jazz recorded history, doing some uh, focused looks at different aspects of jazz recordings. And today we're going to do something uh, that builds on some podcasts we did a while back. We did a couple of podcasts about hot clarinets. We did the hot clarinets of Chicago and the hot clarinets of New York. And those were uh, featuring recordings that were features for various clarinet players, and generally I picked clarinet uh, recordings that were just clarinet and rhythm section, so no other horns. And uh, thinking about that, I, I realized I had more than enough to do a program on hot trumpets, so I'm going to be uh, playing for you today some recordings by various trumpet players from the 20s, 30s, and even into the 40s, and these were uh, featured recordings for trumpets, and that was a little bit probably less usual than uh, clarinet recordings at the time. Clarinets were used uh, more um, routinely as solo instruments, whereas trumpets tended to be the lead in the ensemble or lead in sections or so forth. But there was certainly uh, a pretty uh, vivid uh, tradition of, a, of solo trumpet recordings made during the 1920s. We think of Louis Armstrong and Weatherbird Rag and Dear Old Southland and also King Oliver and Jelly Roll Morton's duets on Tomcat Blues and King Porter Stock. I was going to include those, but I had other things that I wanted to put in, and those are pretty well-known recordings. So I decided to sort of focus Focus on some of the lesser known parts of the repertoire. So we're going to begin right now with a, uh, a trumpet player who is not well known at all. This is a fellow named Sid Valentine, and uh, he recorded with a group called Sid Valentine and his Patent Leather Kids for Janet Records. Uh, he did one session in October of 1929, and is just himself on trumpet along with Slick, Hol uh, Slick Helms on piano and Paul George on banjo. We'll talk a little bit about him uh, after we get through these recordings, but we're going to play two of the four recordings today that this little group made. We're going to hear uh, Rock and Gravel and Patent Leather Stomp, Sid Valentine and his Patent Leather Kids. Some very interesting uh, compositions of the 1920s and some very good playing as well. Then we're going to go uh, to a better known trumpet player who uh, only, to my knowledge, made two uh, recordings sort of that fit into our, our, our program today. We're going to hear uh, Red Nichols, the um, great uh, or, or well-known at any rate uh, trumpet player who's actually playing cornet uh, on these recordings that uh, were a little bit different than his usual recordings from the 1920s. Of course, he was the author of, of literally hundreds of recordings that were made uh, from the middle 1920s all the way up until uh, the 1940s, and then he came back after World War II to record with a, a very uh, effective little Dixieland band that uh, made recordings for Capitol and some other uh, companies as well. But he was uh, a real force in the music scene in the 1920s among white musicians. He was a, uh, a booker, a promoter, a writer, and he uh, was a director, too. Sometimes his musicians thought he was a little Martinet-like and uh, uh, tended not to enjoy his playing, which sometimes seemed like a very mechanical copy of Bix Beiderbecke's playing, although Nichols said that he didn't hear Bix Beiderbecke until after he began his recording career and had his style all set. So they probably both came from a certain tradition of Midwest uh, cornet playing. And we're going to hear uh, one tune of the two that he did with a group that he called We Three for Pathé in March of 1926. Red Nichols on uh, cornet, Arthur Shutt on piano, Vic Burton on drums. And we're going to hear a tune called Off Center, or a Plenty Off Center, I should say. And um, the other tune called Trumpet Sobs also featured Eddie Lang on guitar. We're going to play that on another podcast at some point, but we're just going to stick with Plenty Off Center, giving a good sense of the style of uh, Red Nichols at the time. Then we're going to go to a very different trumpet player, a very different person, I would have to say, uh, a fellow named Jack Purvis. He uh, is a legendary figure in, in jazz of the 1920s. He was another white player uh, who was very much under the spell of Louis Armstrong. And uh, Purvis's uh, life is really a, a series of legends and tall tales. Uh, we don't know 
what ended up happening to him. He made some recordings in the 1920s. He played with uh, Hal Kemp's band for a while, um, and he sort of dropped in and out of sight, and uh, musicians uh, considered him kind of a mysterious and maybe even a little bit of a scary figure at times, too. Uh, he recorded two solos that we're going to hear, uh, accompanied by the rhythm section, or most of the rhythm section, of the Hal Kemp Orchestra in December of 1929. We're going to hear uh, Mental Strain at Dawn and Copian Lewis. And those are uh, both Jack Purvis compositions, and he plays trumpet on this, accompanied by John Scott Trotter on piano. As I said, he was with Hal Kemp. He later became uh, an accompanist and a, 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 a music director for Bing Crosby. He's also, in the 1930s, responsible for a lot of the uh, backup bands for the Andrews Sisters records. Gene Kinsel on guitar, Paul Weston on bass, and Joe Dale on drums. Joe Dale, I don't think, played regularly with the Kemp Band. Uh, the Kemp Band's drummer was his vocalist, Skinny Ennis. So I don't know where Joe Dale came from. But anyway, we'll hear those two recordings by Jack Purvis. So three very different trumpet players. We have an African-American, Sid Valentine, who will be playing uh, Rock and Gravel and Patent Leather Stomp. Then we're going to go to Red Nichols and uh, Plenty Off Center. And then we're going to finish up with Jack Purvis and Mental Strain at Dawn and Copian Lewis.
are some interesting, uh, not terribly well-known recordings from the 1920s. We started out with Sid Valentine and his Patent Leather Kids. This was a group that was active in the Indianapolis area. Sid Valentine himself was born in Indianapolis. Uh, he later moved to Chicago. We played with some bands there, and then uh, spent quite a lot of time in New York in the 1930s and 40s, although he uh, didn't, I don't think he made any recordings at the time. He was active musically. He uh, returned to Indianapolis after the war and lived there until the 80s, so he uh, had an, a long career as a musician, although very much under the radar, except for this recording date where he recorded with this trio, the Patent Leather Kids, which was apparently a subset of a larger 10-piece band that did not record. Uh, they also did record this small group with a blues singer uh, at the same time for Janet Records there in Richmond, Indiana in October 1929. And we heard Rock and Gravel and the Patent Leather Stomp. Rock and Gravel was sort of a takeoff on the solo strain of uh, Tiger Rag or Mylenberg Joys, what have you. Um, and then Rock and Gravel was a more interesting composition, uh, or rather Patent Leather Stomp was a more interesting composition, has more uh, blues basis to it, and showed off some very respectable trumpet playing by the leader, Sid Valentine. Then we went to Red Nichols, and of course, as I said, Red Nichols was very well known in the 1920s. He was born in Utah in 1905 and had a long career uh, as a band leader, a promoter. He conducted pit bands on Broadway for a little while. He apparently uh, conducted uh, the band for Girl Crazy, the Gershwin uh, musical in 1930 that introduced uh, I Got Rhythm. And he had much of his band, including Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller and Gene Krupa, for that matter, in uh, that pit for that engagement. Uh, but he recorded uh, these trio sides, one of which we heard called Plenty Off Center uh, under the name of We Three in 1926. And we heard Art Shutt on piano and Vic Burton on drums with a cornet feature by Red Nichols. Then we ended up with the legendary Jack Purvis, who was born also in Indiana. Um, he was a white player who uh, apparently had some serious mental issues uh, off and on through his career. As I mentioned, he was uh, part of the Hal uh, Kemp Orchestra in the late 1920s when he recorded the two sides we heard, which were um, Copy and Lewis and Mental Strain and Dawn. Actually, it's the other way around. We started with Mental Strain and Dawn and then went to Copy and Lewis, on both of which he showed his allegiance to the style of Louis Armstrong, which made for a kind of a nice uh, transition from the uh, Red Nichols style, which was more uh, like uh, Bix Beiderbecke, even though, as I mentioned, Nichols claimed that he really didn't hear Bix Beiderbecke during the time when he was putting his own style together. So Jack Purvis went on to uh, play with a number of different bands in the 30s and have a very peripatetic career as a radio technician, a cook, uh, a manual laborer. He spent time in prison, uh, and apparently he died in the early 60s. Uh, some said suicide, and some said just high living finished him, but then there were reported sightings of him uh, later in the 60s at different recording sessions and things like that. So he had a kind of a, a jazz Elvis thing going there. Uh, but his playing was quite uh, interesting, as we heard there on those two tunes. He also recorded a few tunes later on that featured a slightly larger band that included Adrian Rollini, Coleman Hawkins, and J.C. Higginbottom. So uh, a mixed band. We might play those uh, on a podcast a little bit later as well. So for our next segment, we're going to travel to Europe and hear three trumpet players who uh, made recordings, uh, all fairly extensively recorded in Europe, but they each made uh, some solo recordings with just a rhythm section. Two of them are American and one of them is European. So we're going to start with one of the American trumpet players. This uh, fellow was an African-American who was actually born in Grenada uh, and apparently moved to um, the United States at some point in the late 1910s or early 1920s uh, and played uh, some engagements with bands, although we don't know too much about what he did because he moved to Europe fairly soon after that by the mid to late 1920s. I think he was playing in some of the Harlem shows that traveled around Europe at the time. And he uh, made uh, recordings with some of the cream of the uh, European, especially the continental European, jazz um establishment, shall we say. His name was Arthur Briggs, and he was a very fine trumpet player. He uh, recorded with his own band in Europe, actually in Germany, starting in 1927. He called the band the Savoy Syncopators, or the Savoy Syncops, um, as one of the discographies would have it. But he was in Paris by 
1928-1929 or so, and he started making recordings about that. And we're going to hear a uh, version he did of I Got Rhythm that was recorded in June of 1933, and he plays a trumpet solo accompanied by Freddie Johnson on piano, another African-American, and Louis Cole, who was sometimes a bass player, but here just sings on I Got Rhythm. So this was recorded for the Brunswick label. Um, Briggs later recorded quite a bit with uh, Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli. He was considered to be uh, quite uh, an ahead-of-his-time trumpet player in Europe uh, at, during those early 30s, at least before Coleman Hawkins and some of the American jazz players came over. So that'll be the first tune, I Got Rhythm. Then we're going to hear from our uh, British uh, example. This is a uh, trumpet player who played in a number of uh, bands at the time uh, in England, but uh, he was actually uh, allowed to record, or given the opportunity to record, this particular solo, which is called Hummin' to Myself. And this is an interesting song. The Boswell sisters recorded this. It's been recorded at various different tempos here. It's recorded very slow and bluesy to begin with, and then the tempo picks up. And our trumpet soloist on this is a fellow named Duncan White. And uh, he is here accompanied by Stanley Black on piano, white and black, I guess. George Chisholm, possibly on Celesta. He was known as a trombone player. Alan Ferguson, very fine rhythm guitarist. Doug Lees on bass and Stanley Marshall on drums. And this was recorded for Parlophone in 19... 19- 35. So that'll be an interesting uh, version of this tune. I'm not exactly sure why he, w- he recorded this. This is, uh, I think, one of two tunes recorded on this date. I think Freddie Gardner, the saxophone player, recorded a solo on the other side of this recording. But a very, uh, very effective performance. Then we're going to go uh, to a, a, a semi-legendary um, African-American trumpet player from New York. Actually, he was from, I think he's from the Midwest, Bill Coleman. And he played and recorded in uh, America in the 1920s quite a bit. He recorded with... Um, Oh, uh, Cecil Scott's band and Lloyd Scott's band. He did some work with Fats Waller, um, and he played in in several big bands as well before going to England, or excuse me, Paris, actually, in 1936 or late in 1935. And he began recording pretty extensively over there, and he was given the opportunity to record a number of solos for uh, the HMV label and also Ultraphone. Ultraphone is the uh, label for the first recording we're going to hear, which is a uh, tune that Fats Waller had also recorded called What's the Reason I'm Not Pleasing You? And on this, he's accompanied by Herman Chittison, fine piano player. We did a podcast on him a while back. And um, Eugene Delm on bass, and he had played with the Quintet of the Hot Club of France. That is from January 24th of 1936 for Ultraphone. Then we're going to jump up a week to January 31st and HMV and their recording of I'm in the Mood for Love. And then we're going to jump ahead uh, to 1937. This uh, recording was made at the end of a date that featured a larger band, seven or eight-piece band um, that we may be playing on a future podcast, but this was just a duet recording between Bill Coleman and Django Reinhardt on guitar. And this is called the Bill Coleman Blues. Gives you a very, very good uh, idea of Bill Coleman's style. He was an excellent trumpet player, very uh, technically uh, adept, but not dry in any way. He was a fine jazz player whose career uh, continued in Europe. He came back periodically uh, to the United States. He recorded with Lester Young, I believe, in the 1940s, but then he returned to Europe, and he stayed there the rest of his life, and he recorded up through, I think, into the 1970s, uh, and was very well recorded and uh, very well respected. So this is going to be our European hot trumpet section. We've got I Got Rhythm by Arthur Briggs, Humming to Myself, Duncan White, and then three tunes by Bill Coleman. What's the reason I'm not pleasing you? I'm in the mood for love and the Bill Coleman blues. I've got my gal who could ask for anything more. I've got daisies that are in green pastures. I've got my gal who could ask for anything more. Old man trouble, I don't mind him. You won't find him round my door. I've got starlight, I've got sweet dreams. I've got my gal who could ask for anything more. Ask for anything more. (laughs) 
what money can buy. Birds in the trees sing their day full of song. Why shouldn't we sing along? I'm chipper all the day, happy with my lot. How do I get that way? Look at what I've got.
That was a good example of Bill Coleman's playing the Bill Coleman Blues, accompanied only by Django Reinhardt in 1937. And before that, we heard two sides from January of 1936. Uh, the second one was I'm in the Mood for Love, recorded for Victor, HMV. And the first one, uh, What's the Reason I'm Not Pleasing You, for Ultraphone, accompanied all by Herman Chittison on piano with Eugene Downs on bass. Um, actually, uh, the bass was not evident on I'm in the Mood for Love. That was just a duo. So good uh, un uncluttered recording gives us an example of Bill Coleman's playing and why he was so highly regarded. As I said, he was in New York until the middle 1930s. He played with Teddy Hill's band and some other ones. He played with Lucky Melinder. Uh, he actually toured Europe briefly uh, with Melinder's band and came back to the United States, did some recordings, and then decided to uh, expatriate and go to Paris, where he lived from about 1936 till 1940. And with the war clouds uh, darkening, he left. Uh, a good job he did to come back to the United States, and he spent the war years in the U.S. playing on 52nd Street. He recorded with, as I said, Lester Young, also with uh, the Benny Carter Band, um, Billy Holiday, Coleman Hawkins, and uh, did a lot of uh, club work as well before returning to Europe in 1948, and he stayed there until he died, uh, I think in 1980 or 81. Made quite a few recordings and even wrote an autobiography. So before that, we heard Duncan White, the British trumpet player, playing Hummin' to Myself. And that uh, was part of a, a short live series uh, called the British Rhythm Series, or the British Rhythm Club Series. And that was the only recording that that band made, uh, featuring Duncan White and also Stanley Black on piano. Uh, on the other side was Freddie Gardner playing China Boy with an entirely different group, recorded just about the same time, released on the Parlophone label. And we started out with Arthur Briggs, as I said, an African-American or an African-Caribbean, uh, uh, I guess, from Grenada, uh, who had played uh, trumpet in his native country before coming to New York and uh, playing in some pits and some um, traveling groups, uh, ending up in Europe in the early 19, or actually in the late 1920s, 1927-28. Uh, he had a band in Berlin that recorded quite extensively, and then into Paris in the early 30s, and he recorded with lots of different uh, uh, jazz groups in that point, including the Quintet of the Hot Club of France. But we heard him playing I Got Rhythm with Freddie Johnson on piano. And Louis Cole uh, took the vocal. He actually sang the uh, verse to that, which was a little unusual, but uh, a nice performance and some very fine trumpet playing. So for our third and final set, we are going to be featuring some more swing-oriented trumpet players, maybe early swing, but nevertheless, these were uh, features for trumpet solo with rhythm section as well. We're going to start out with Max Kaminsky. Max Kaminsky was a Boston-born trumpet player who's usually associated with the Dixieland players, with Eddie Condon's groups. Uh, he was recording by the early 30s. He recorded some of his first sides with Eddie Condon, but also with Benny Carter. He played in big bands. Uh, I think he played in one of the early Glenn Miller bands. He played in the very early Artie Shaw band, uh, Tommy Dorsey's band. He was with the Clambake Seven. He did uh, a lot of interesting uh, recordings and, and musical associations over his career. Uh, in the middle 1940s, he recorded with Art Hodes quite a bit uh, for Blue Note, and Blue Note was uh, recording quite a bit of traditional jazz, or Dixieland, New Orleans, what have you, and uh, Kaminsky's playing graces quite a few of those Art Hody sessions and a few Sidney Bechet sessions as well. Uh, this particular session was a little unusual because it featured Kaminsky with just the rhythm section. And they did several tunes, several blues tunes. They did a, a, an unusual uh, tune called Funny Feathers, which was a Victoria Spivey tune. But we're going to play a Dixieland standard in an unusual way with just a trumpet and no clarinet and trombone. This is called Eccentric. And uh, as I said, usually played with a full band, but here really features Kaminsky very well. Then we're going to uh, jump over to uh, a, a, an African-American trumpet player who we've featured on podcasts before, Frankie Newton. Frankie Newton was a, a really interesting trumpet stylist. He uh, played a very blues-based style, but he could play very much like Louis Armstrong when, when, when the mood struck him. We're going to hear him uh, performing with the Frankie Newton Quintet from April 7th of 1939. This is also a Blue Note recording, and it is a uh, tune called the Daybreak Blues. It was actually part of the Port of Harlem Jazz uh, Men series. Uh, Sidney Bechet and J.C. Higginbottom also recorded on these, but this is a, a feature for Newton, along with 
with Albert Ammons on piano, Teddy Bunn on guitar, John, Johnny Williams on bass, and Sid Catlett on drums, and really brings out the, the vocal qualities of Frankie Newton's playing. Then we're going to hear uh, uh, another unusual tune. This is the day for unusual tunes. We're going to hear the great uh, Kansas City, uh, by way of Texas, blues trumpet player, Hot Lips Page, Aaron Hot Lips Page, playing in a trio. The Hot Lips Page trio recorded for Bluebird, a subsidiary of Victor Records in 1940, December 10th, in fact. And it's going to feature Page on trumpet. Um, there are some of these recordings from this series that feature him on mellophone, which is a, a, an interesting um, example of him playing something else. I don't think he recorded on mellophone any other time, but a darker, richer, deeper hue. But we're going to hear one of his trumpet recordings called Do It If You Wanna. And this is uh, backed by Leonard Feather, the jazz critic from England on piano. He was a respectable piano player. He also wrote quite a few tunes. Teddy Bunn is on guitar, and Ernest Hill is on bass, and occasionally tuba, but he plays bass on this one. So that's the Hot Lips Page Trio. Then we're going to end up with Harry James, another Texas trumpet player, um, who of course uh, came to prominence first with Ben Pollock's band, and then with the Benny Goodman band, and then put his own band together, a really extraordinary technical trumpet player who got his start, I guess, playing in circuses. Uh, his father was a circus trumpeter. Um, but he recorded in a lot of different settings over his career, and we're going to hear one tune, Boo Woo, which is done by the Harry James Boogie Woogie Trio. And this features Pete Johnson on piano, Johnny Williams again on bass, and Eddie Doherty on drums. This is from February of 1939 for Brunswick. So those are our four tunes today. We're going to, uh, for this set rather, we're going to hear Max Kaminsky with the Art Hodes group doing Eccentric, Frankie Newton with the Frankie Newton Quintet doing Daybreak Blues, we're going to hear Hot Lips Page with the Hot Lips Page Trio. Uh, do it if you want to. And we're going to end up with Boo Woo, the Harry James Boogie Woogie Trio. <laughs> Thank you. 
that finishes us up in style. I was Harry James and the Boogie Woogie Trio featuring Pete Johnson on piano, also Eddie Doherty on drums and Johnny Williams on bass. And that was a really exciting recording. Um, James was a, an underrated jazz trumpet player. I usually think of him as the schmaltzy guy of you, want, uh, you Made Me Love You and Carnival of Venice and things like that. But he really could play some excellent jazz, um, and as he did throughout his entire career. So before that, we uh, heard the tune by Hotlips Page called Do It If You Wanna, which was a Page tune, and it featured, as I said, Leonard Feather on piano, the jazz critic, and Bass Hill on bass, and also Teddy Bunn on guitar, electric guitar in that case. Usually he was known as an acoustic guitar player, so we had some good blues playing at a medium tempo uh, there. Uh, following a good blues performance at a slower tempo by Frankie Newton on the Daybreak Blues, which also features uh, Teddy Bunn on guitar acoustic this time, along with Albert Ammons on piano. Albert Ammons and Pete Johnson were, of course, the boogie-woogie duo, and that Harry James recording date alternated them. We, uh, we used one that used Pete Johnson, but we could just as easily have used one of the ones that used Albert Ammons. So both very effective boogie-woogie piano players, and that was an effective... Um, feature for Frankie Newton, the Daybreak Blues. And we started out that set with the Eccentric Rag, or just plain Eccentric, by the Art Hodes Trio, recording for Blue Note Records in 1945, and that was a feature for Max Kaminsky on trumpet, with Art Hodes on piano and Freddie Moore on drums. So that is uh, a pretty good cross-section of our hot trumpets uh, from the first oh, 40 years of jazz history or so. Um, we went from our 1920s recordings with Red Nichols and uh, uh, Sid Valentine and Jack Purvis up through some of the European uh, recordings of Arthur Briggs and Bill Coleman and Duncan White, and we finished up with some good swing-era trumpet playing, although um, largely based in blues with Max Kaminsky, Frankie Newton, uh, Hotlips Page, and Harry James. So, hope you've enjoyed this program. This has been a little bit of a, a pasticcio of uh, jazz trumpet playing, but all uh, very uh, focused on the jazz trumpeter, not on any other um, horn player. So we get a, a, a pretty... Um, clear look or, or, or hearing of what these players' styles were and how they could carry a performance as a soloist without other horn players around them. So you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you're enjoying these programs. If you are, please consider sponsoring us. Uh, you have a little button somewhere on your screen, probably. Uh, we uh, broadcast these from our home at anchor.fm, but you can hear them on Spotify and Apple Music and lots of other platforms as well. We have lots of programs coming up. Hope you're interested in, in joining us for this little uh, waltz down uh, the jazz corridors and uh, we're going to be finding a lot more little side streets and side rooms off these corridors as well. So thank you again for joining us and I'll see you on the other side.